Well, 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 good morning, church. How are you guys this morning? Good, good, good. Man, what an exciting thing it is, isn't it? Uh, to uh, gather up here together uh, and to come together uh, with the intent and the inv- invitation to uh, come and be stirred up and spurred on again toward the life into which we are called and invited, the life that we have with Christ, to come together to declare together the truths of God through song borrowed from some that have written it as God gave them words and some who have put it to music as God gave them thought of music and and then to be exploring the word of God together so that the spirit of God might speak to our hearts and bind us together and send us out into a life where we would live and enjoy the life given to us by Christ. This gathering that we are doing this morning uh, is a supernatural event in the very nature of us being together for the sake of exploring the gospel. That we would come together like this is part of what God has established as the supernatural beauty of his people gathering to be with him and with one another in the being together. Like this is a really big deal. And it's really exciting to be here. And it's exciting to be together with you and to see what God is going to do that is both visible and invisible in his supernatural power. So we have been on a journey together uh, here at Mosaic, as many of you may know. Over the last 15 years, we have been traveling uh, chronologically through the Word of God, starting in Genesis and making our way through, uh, just exploring uh, the unfolding story of God through His Word. And uh, we finished out Philippians just recently. We're entering 1 Timothy at the end of the summer as Paul is continuing to write some of the letters that he's writing in the time and history that we are currently abiding in, uh, where Paul is in Rome and letters are going out to the church. So very excited and it has been very exciting. But this summer, God uh, called us as a teaching team to uh, take the summer and uh, posture ourselves a little differently. Uh, when we are in a book like we are in Philippians or will be in First Timothy, uh, we go to God every week and we trust him to show us what it is he wants to show us, what, did he, what it is he wants to show us collectively through the passage that we are engaging in. So we count on God to give us what he wants us to have. But the actual portion of scripture is generally just the next section in the chronology that we are in. This summer, we kind of went to God and said, God, uh, we really want you uh, to show us not only what you have for us, but the very uh, scriptures that you want to bring to the table, the very truths you want us to engage with this summer. And uh, as we did that, uh, one of the things that the Spirit of God just kind of started stirring in us was this, this invitation to explore what it means that our souls would be revived, you know, that we would catch our breath, or rather, that we would catch His breath. And in catching His breath, that we would experience the, the, the sense of a reviving of soul. And so we have been going to God each week as a teaching team and just saying, God, open-handedly, what's next? Where do you want to take us? Help us explore what it means that you uh, are here reviving our souls. And so God began us at the beginning of the summer 
with this clarity that oh, our souls will not experience the ongoing reality of being revived until we recognize our desperation for God. That there is nothing that you or I bring to the table in of ourselves for ourselves or for one another that can revive our souls. That is a work of God and God alone. God is the only one that can revive our souls, the only one that ever will, the only one that sustains it. And until we are clear that we are desperate for Him to do it, we will always find ourselves seeking revival of soul from places where it cannot be found, but will be tasted temporarily and then fade quickly. So we are desperate for Him. And then he led us out of that desperation into a clarity of the joy of our salvation, that we are a people that have been rescued by the great work of Jesus and his life, death and resurrection, that our souls are saved, our future is secure, our purpose restored, and we are a people who have everything we will ever want or need already in Christ. And so he's like, be excited! Like the joy of our salvation is a part of what we engage in where our souls are revived by the very nature of knowing what we are recipients of in the great work of Jesus. And then we walked out of uh, that beauty and we started traveling into this, this glorious invitation that we have from God while on planet earth that our, our, our life and our, and our freedom and, and, and the light we live in isn't something we wait to realize in eternity, but it is a part of the very journey we're on, that we are invited to the table of God to feast with him on the wonders of God, even now in this life, that we can learn from him and, 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 and experience him and and be with him. And that this table we come to feast at, that our journey together is a feasting of sorts. Uh, is a table we don't arrive at because we are worthy or a table we arrive at because we have been made worthy. It is a table we arrive at because the one who is worthy invites us. That the one who is worthy is merciful to us. The one who is worthy is gracious to us. And he says, come and eat with me. So our journey on this planet is a being with Jesus uh, through his spirit to enjoy the journey with him. And then we moved from there as God led us uh, even last week into this clarity that the journey we're called onto is one uh, of a long obedience in the same direction, that we are not to be tourists in our spiritual journey, seeking out the high notes, looking for the next conference, the next speaker, the next podcast that will give us what we need to be able to continue and just endure the long mundane in between spaces. But that in fact, the call of our life on this planet is an invitation into this long obedience as a pilgrim. A pilgrim is on a path somewhere with someone and we are on a path somewhere, moving our way toward uh, experiencing more of God, go going to God, with God. And so the journey toward is to God and the journey with is with God. The very path we're on is not a means to an end. It is part of the invitation of the being with because the path is, the way is Jesus. Jesus. And so even on the long journey in the same direction, that is part of the being with God. 
So this is where we've come to. And as we entered into this week as a teaching team and we went to God early in the week and we're like, all right, you are showing us these things. What do we need to know next? Uh, we began to uh, experience and sense a little bit of that, that longing to want to know how we are to engage in these wondrous things of feasting with Jesus and being on the way with Jesus, that he is the way. Because they sound wonderful, don't they? But you're like this, surely there's some things we need to do, right? Because like, it's not like Jesus is saying, come feast with me, come journey with me, pilgrim, come be with me. And we're like, I'm ready. And he's like, just stand still. So there's a bit of a feeling of that, right? Oh my gosh, we know this sounds awesome. I want it. I want to feast. I want to be on the long obedience. I want to do it. I'm in. I want to, I want to know more of Jesus. Where do I start? Like, what do I do? And so we were kind of just flushing that out, like, like we're kind of there, like, okay, God, okay, we're ready. I mean, don't you want to live a life where the journey you're on is a perpetual and constant experience of soul revival? Don't you want to be in a place where your soul feels utterly revived minute by minute by the breath of God as you breathe it in and feast with him and are on journey with him? Is that not what you want? Whoo. Super exciting. Wow. I mean, that, yeah, it sounds great, Renault, I suppose. I mean, really? Is that what we're, like, is that's what I want? Like, I mean, I stand here this whole week. I'm like, I want, I want that, God, I want that. And I suspect most of you, maybe it's just a long day today, but I suspect most of you aren't like, sure, whatever. I mean, I suppose if my soul is revived second by second and feels full of Jesus on a beautiful journey alongside him as we feast on the wonder of God, I suppose that'll do. I don't think any of you are there. And so I'm just saying, I feel like this is what we're longing for. It's what we want. And so we're asking God, how, how do we get there? And so as we started flushing that out early in the week and just the kind of this sense of like, take us to, to, the, to the, 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 the details of how we engage in this. Uh, we started talking about the disciplines of the faith, the works of intimacy that we can engage in to, to be with Jesus in unique ways. And we started talking about uh, how God taught us to pray and, and how that drives us toward uh, a journey with him. And as we started talking about these things, which we know are part uh, of the beautiful active things that God gives us to participate in so that we would be on the path with him, feasting at the table with him as we live our lives. I, I also started sensing and we started sensing uh, a little bit of a concern, a, a, a bit of a, a sense of like, oh, I feel like as we step into these, let's go do these things, we're stepping into dangerous territory again. Why? Because the doing of these things are bad? No, but because it feels a bit like we're now moving right back toward a means to an end. Like last week, we spent so much time talking about the idea that the journey and the long, uh, the long obedience in the same direction is not a means to an end. It, it is the journey itself. And that, that we often experience it as if I obey well in the same direction for a long time, then I get fill in the blank. I get more of Jesus. I get more of whatever. But, but we were like, no, 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 no. It's not a means to an end. It's the invitation itself. And then I felt like this week, we'd just be like this. Okay, so now the means to the long obedience in the same direction is this. So we're right back to, there is a means to an end. 
And although the doing is part of what we will explore in order to know how we live this out, man, I'm like, why does this feel like we're just going to be right back where we started? Here's the things you do to have the obedience, to have the table, to have Jesus. And as we explored that, I, I realized part of the reason why every time we get into the doing, we're right back to, uh-oh, means to an end, propensity, is because we have, as human beings, I think uh, uh, a flawed thinking that drives us constantly back to this place where everything feels like, a, what do I need to do to get what it is that is this thing, in this case, to be on the path with Jesus to whatever. It's because when we come to anything, frankly, including Jesus, we come with generally two questions. What is it that I need to do for? And how is it that I get from? What is it I need to do for? And how do I get from? In our human relationships, in our relationship with God, in fact, in everything, the workplaces we join, whatever. And why do we do that? Because both those things hold intrinsically for us value for ourselves. We come in and we want to be thought of well. We want to be valued. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. And so we enter into our relationship with God and say, what is it that I need to do for you that will show you or that will please you or that will make you happy with me? So sometimes our motives are very good. We're like, I just want to please you. What is it I need to do so that I, I like, yes, like I want you to be happy with me. Don't you want God to be happy with you? To delight in you? To go, well done? Yes. So we're like, okay, what, is it? what do I have to do for you? to do that. And then let's just be honest. Can we just be honest for a second? Like we all have stuff we want. I'm not talking about Ferraris though. You might. I'm just talking about like, it's a hard day. I need a big decision. I, I, I want to, like, I, I need help. We're on planet death. I mean, come on. And so we're like, okay, what is it I need to do uh, for you so that there, this is good. And, and how do I get from you what it is I need, what it is I want, what it is uh, I, I'm, I'm longing for? And, and the, the, the worst version of that, that all of us at some point in some way live in a bit is, okay, and if I want these things from you, what do I need to do for you so I can get what I need from you? So we either are, what do I need to do for you so that you'll delight in me? What do I need to do to get from you what I need? Or what do I need to do for you so I can get from you what I need? That's where we live. And even if we don't like, oh, that's me. When we actually live out our lives, that's kind of how it plays out. And yet the call of God, the teaching of Jesus, the way he came and told us what this life journey with him is about does not lead to the conclusion that he wants us to do something for him and that we are to have ways by which we can get things from him. He has an utterly different message for us. His message to us when he was on the planet, his message to us by his spirit as he inspired the authors of scripture to write his word was that he's coming to us to say, what I want you to do is to come to me and to go with me. Not to do for me and to get from me, but to come to me and to go with me. 
Because what I want for you is for you to be with me because I am enough. I am the gift. I am the longing of your hearts. I am the longing of your souls. I fulfill you. I revive you. I will do it all for you. You don't need stuff from me. I'm it. I'm it and I'm more than anything you will ever get from me. So what I want for you, why I saved you, why I'm calling you, what I'm doing is come to me, be with me and go with me. And then we read scripture and he's like, do this for me and then follow these things to get them from me. So we are obsessed with what behaviors, how do I behave rightly? How do I believe rightly? You know, have the right kind of faith. How do I ask rightly to please you and to get from you? And he's like, don't do those things. Come to me and go with me. And we will have a blast because I will be enough for you. As we follow the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, this is what we see. I can't possibly, uh, in the brief time we have, show you intricately through all of Scripture how this is woven and everywhere, but I can touch on a few spaces as we travel through to say, look, look what he's saying, look what he's doing, look what he's showing us, look what, he's, uh, look, look what he says is important. Pay attention to Jesus when he's sort of saying, here's a bunch of stuff, and it's like, but this one, this one matters. When Jesus was on the planet and, and he was spending time with his disciples early on, uh, he was talking with them, praying, teaching. And, uh, and this is what he says. You guys will find this familiar. It's in the book of Matthew uh, in chapter 11, uh, earlier on. And Jesus is with them and, and he says this. He's, he's speaking to his followers about what it means that they're going to follow him, Right? And he starts using rabbinical language, the language of a rabbi to say, this is what it means to have me be your rabbi. And he says this, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me. You want to you you be my disciple? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say, okay, labor for me, labor for me. And he says, come to me, all you who are laboring right? Come to me. Come to me, all you are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take on my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, what Jesus was saying there is, listen, when you follow me, it's not about all the things you'll do for me because those burdens, those weightinesses, those yokes, the yoke was the way of the rabbi, the things the rabbi demanded from you, wanted from you. He says, my yoke, what I'm wanting from you is light and easy. What did he mean? That we wouldn't be doing stuff? No, that we wouldn't be doing stuff for him as some means to show up to him to prove something to him. He's like, no, that's burdensome. Have you done enough? Have you done it good enough? Have you done it well? No, no, my burden is light. Just come to me. Come to me and who will give you rest? I will. I will give you rest. We go all the way to the end of his teaching before he left the planet. And then we arrive at the great teaching. We're like, yeah, but, but Renaud, there it is. You know, I mean, Jesus sent us out to go, you know, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. He needs us out there. Otherwise it'll never get, he's like, go. I mean, Jesus at the very end, he sent us out, didn't he? He said, look, come to me. But at the end, when it was all said and done, he's about to leave. He's like, okay, now here's how it's going to go. I'm rolling out. 
you all go for me. So we're like, okay, I'm going, but let's go read that. Let's go actually read what, what he said, because it turns out that it was recorded and written down in Matthew chapter 28. And it was written down in uh, verse 18. Listen to what Jesus says. Last words of Matthew. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Go therefore. Oh, wait. I'm lying to you. I didn't say that. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. To me. So who's going to be going out with all the authority and all the power? Jesus is. Is he on mission today? Is he going out to redeem the world? Is he making all things new? Is he completing every good work he began? Who's doing all that? Jesus, who has the authority to do that? Jesus, who has the power to do that? Jesus, not you, not me, him. So he's like, look, I have all the authority and power that's been given to me. I'm going to go redeem this entire thing. I'm going. So therefore go into all the world. We read that like, I have all the authority and power. And then we just, we kind of insert this. So I'm giving it to you. Y'all go. Y'all go into all the world. Come back when you're done. I'll be, I'll be right here. Can't wait. Can't wait to see. Let's just, can we just be honest for a second? Isn't that how we roll? I'm like, no, it's not true. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. He sent us out. We go, we come back. He has all the authority. He's handing it to us. I'm like, no, he's like, I have all the authority. So therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then as though he knew, we'd be like, all right, we're ready. Thanks for the baton. We even talk like that, don't we? He handed us the baton. No, he, no, he didn't. He holds it squarely in his hand. He's just inviting us to go with him. Because here's what he said, look. And behold, I am waiting right here for when you're done. No, I'm, I'm lying again. You might see a pattern today where I lie for a second and then I bring the truth just so you can be like, oh, he didn't say that. No, he didn't say that. This is what we read in our heads. He said, and I am with you always to the ends of the age. Where is he? With us. So we read it this way. Jesus has the power. He hands the baton to us. He sends us out and he follows right behind us going, well done. You're doing great. You're doing great. Keep it up. That's what we believe. But this is actually what he's saying. I'm going, I'm going to make all things new. I'm going to finish every good work. I'm going to redeem everything because I have the authority. You should come with me because then you'll be with me and I'll be with you. Jesus starts by saying, come to me and I will give you rest and go with me. And we're going to do some awesome stuff that I'm going to do and you're going to get to do with me. And so Jesus begins this journey to say, this is how it's going to work. While he was on the planet, hanging out with people in several different ways, on several occasions, he even demonstrated this reality that it's not about doing more for him or getting more from him, but it is to be with him, to come to him and to go with him. When he was hanging out at Mary and Martha's house, just one story, it's a, it's a go-to, I get it, but it is a moment. The reason we go back to it is not because of Mary and Martha, and you know, it's because Jesus used the word essential. Remember that? So when Jesus uses the word essential, what should we do? Pay attention, right? 
So he's hanging out and Mary's sitting with him with the disciples learning, hanging out. And Martha's having a little bit of an anxiety attack. Uh, you remember the story if you've been around. It's not because Mary's like a doer. Because my wife always says like it's, uh, that story makes no sense because someone had to do the dishes. And I'm like, no, it wasn't about the dishes. It was about the social weirdness that was going on that Mary was inappropriately breaking social cues by sitting at the feet of the rabbi with his disciples to learn. And she's like, the teenager's behaving badly. So she comes in and she's like, Mary, and Mary won't come. And she's finally like, Jesus, so sorry about the teenager still learning. Could you tell her to come back to the kitchen? And what does Jesus say? And I feel you, Martha. I, wow, lots going on here. You seem anxious about many things and I get it. But I want to I show you something. I don't care about cultural norms. There's only one thing that is essential as a human being, and that is to be sitting here at my feet and learning from me. Come to me. Go with me. Because in the coming to me and the going with me, you have what you need and you want, which is what? Me. Me. I'm it. This is the message of Jesus. When Jesus was at the last meal with his disciples that he was having prior to his death and resurrection. So he had other meals with them after that. But before he died and resurrected, the last meal he's having with them, uh, he's teaching them a bunch of stuff, kind of closing the loop on multiple things, uh, bringing some new things to the table. And in that teaching, uh, he teaches them about their journey forward. And in John 15, we find the recording of that teaching. And here's what it says. He says, listen, as we, as we go from here, you should know what it is that you should engage in that is going to give you life and bring life through you to the rest of the planet. You should abide in me. You should be with me. You should come to me. You should stay with me. What does the word abide mean? Do you guys remember? We looked up the dictionary definition a while ago. Here it is, okay? To remain, to continue, to stay, to abode, to dwell, to reside. Jesus is like, look, if you want to live this life in the way that your soul is going to experience the ongoing constant sense of revival, of being revived, and you want to be someone that out of that soul revival is actually participating in the things that are bringing life to the world, don't leave me and go and do it for me. Don't leave me and go and do it for me. Don't try to get from me what you need so you can go and do it for me. Come to me, stay with me, abide in me, and guess what will happen to you? You'll be vibrant and out of you will come fruit and you'll be like, Whoa! There's all these things that are happening that I'm participating in. Where is all this fruit coming from? And then you'll realize it's not coming from you. It's coming from me through you into the world. And at some point when you mature enough, you'll just be like, thanks again. <laughs> not like, well, was this good enough? I did some really great work. No, I did great work. And you were the recipient of me working in you and through you. So that the burden is not heavy and the load is not crushing. And you're not wondering, is it enough? Did I do enough? Are you happy? Are you pleased? We find as we explore scripture that God's delight in us has nothing to do with the fact that we come to him and show him how delightful we are. Because we're not delightful. 
His delight in us is because he is an adult, a parent, and we are a toddler. How many of you guys are delighted in toddlers? I mean, how cute are toddlers? How cute are, I mean, when you go out in the lobby, you see, and you're like, oh my gosh, so cute. And we say things like, oh, that little, that little toddler is so cute. They're horrible little beasts of things, these little toddlers. I love you toddlers, you're amazing. But here's the deal, like all of us humans, you know, we do stuff that are not delightful, right? And like you toddlers, if you're in here, you know, you're gonna go like, yep, I got, I, I, I feel you, right? I mean, there's a lot you want. The adults in here, toddlers, like me, mine, I, no. Ugh. And we're like, oh, but yet we delight in them. Why? Because they're always delightful? No, not because they're always delightful. Because we are the adults and we know the beauty that is in them because we can see what they cannot. God is delighted in us because he decides that we are delightful, makes us delightful for himself. And so God is constantly saying, now listen, listen, don't bring me all the things you're doing for me to prove to me that you're delightful or that I should be pleased. Just come be with me because it is me who will give you everything you need. When Jesus was praying in that same meal in John chapter 17, you know what he prayed for? You know what he prayed for? He's like, God, I pray for these disciples that are with me and I pray for the disciples that will come after them. That's us, that you would empower them to be able to do the great work you've sent them out to do, to reap the harvest we need them to reap, to bring back the lost souls to us so that we might see the great work they have done. I'm lying to you. He didn't pray any of that. He didn't pray any of that. You know what he prayed? Go read it. It's in John 17. God, may you make them one with each other and one with me as I am one with you that we might be one together. May you keep them where? With me When they go, may they go with me. When they come, may they come to me. May they be together with each other, with me. Everything about Jesus was like, come to me and go with me. Don't do for me and want from me. And then Jesus is teaching in the book of Matthew and the other gospels. And he's at this point where he's like teaching this uh, whole sequence of things on this, um, this hill that he was on. And he's hanging out and he's teaching and, and it's beautiful. And so the disciples, you know, they recognize he's like, he's teaching this and then he's teaching that. And he's teaching about his kingdom. And so they're like, hey, hey, Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? Now, when, when you're asking Jesus to teach you how to pray, let's just own this for a second. Why do we go pray? Well, I, I go pray to abide with Jesus to worship him. And then I just stop and I rest in that. Uh-huh. Oh, you're, you're so amazing. Beautiful. I'm, we do do that, but let's just be honest. Let's just own this for a second. I'm owning it, right? When we are drawn to go pray, it's when we have a big decision to make, right? Or there's a big life thing coming up or something's not going the way it should be. Someone is ill. Someone is sick. Someone is, is not behaving well. Someone is bothering us. Our spouse isn't changing quick enough. Oh, did I say that out loud? Sorry about that. Um, our children are not what they should. Like then we're like, oh Lord, Lord, it's time to pray. We, we, go, we go to pray when, when we what? When we need something or want something from God. Or we go to pray when we're coming to, to bring something to him. Uh, here, here's, uh, And then some of our prayers, also the other things, but our our draw to pray is when we are in need of some kind. 
And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But when the disciples are like, teach us to pray, I'm willing to bet they were like, all right, we're with the guy, the guy. So you teach us how to pray because then when we pray the way you're teaching us, then, then that'll be a, a secret better prayer than, than the others. And here's what Jesus says. In fact, I'm going to go read it because it's, it's that awesome. In the, in the book of Matthew, they ask, and then Jesus says this. First, he says, uh, first of all, d- don't pray like the folks who come and they've got lots and lots of really cool words. Like they, just, uh, they pray, it's beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. And they pray for long things and because they're usually praying for one of two things. They're either praying to prove something, right? Oh, look at me, I'm, I'm such a good prayer. You know how when you're in a small group and you're fairly new in this journey with Jesus and someone says, would you mind opening in prayer? And then the anxiety rises in you immediately. And you're like, me? Especially let's say if like, like a, one of the pastors is in the small group. And you're like, oh no, am I going to be theologically accurate? Am I going to say the right one? Dear, is it Father or hallowed or Jesus? Dear, yeah, thank you for, you know, and and Jesus like, don't worry about it. Don't don't, like trying to find the right words and the right things to show that you've got it. Or don't be praying with all sorts of legs. Like if you say the right things in the right sequence with the right thing and you like, oh, butter the parent up, then God will give you what you want. Don't do that. It's useless. It's of no good because I am not asking you to come do something for me and you don't need to come get something from me because what you need is not something from me. It's what? It's me. So instead, when you pray, pray to recalibrate yourself to remember that all it is that you need and want is me because then when you come find me, you'll have everything. Look what he says. Pray like this. I think when Jesus said pray like this, he probably meant what? Pray like this, <laughs> right? Right? Well, like he said pray like this, but not exactly like this. Like, no, no, he just kind of said pray, you know, like, like, like this. And then it, it just, here it comes, ready? Watch. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Where do we start with prayer? Who's it about? When we pray, who's it about? It's about him. You're like, Did, Really? Yes, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about him. He's got our story covered. We're coming to him to remind our own little souls that at the end of the day, the author of the story that is my life said that he began something in me. And when he finishes it, he will make it complete. And he does all things for my good. So I'm really coming to pray to remind my soul that though the chapter I'm in right now might feel very dangerous, I'm in a safe story because the author of my story is safe. Hallowed be your name. You are enough. I'm good. I'm safe. Recalibration. Then look what he says. Hallowed be your name. Whose kingdom come? Your kingdom. What do I want more of? That thing I came to pray about. No, I just want more of your kingdom, of you, of whatever it is you have. Bring that. That's what I want. It's a recalibration. Remind my little soul. It's your kingdom I want. Whose will do I want? Your will. God, man, this is about you. Thank you that I'm part of your story. Man, I want more of you, more of your kingdom, more of your will. Make that happen. Wow, I need that because that is the gift I want. Where do I want this to happen? Right here, like it is in heaven. I'm not asking you like, help me survive this terrible reality until I die and go to heaven. It's like, no, bring your way, your will, your beauty, your kingdom. You bring you here more because I just need more of you. And then look at this. Um, whatever it is I do need here, like the real things, would you mind just like making those happen? Give me my daily bread. 
I'm not, yeah, just whatever it is you think I need, bring it. You see, we're so afraid to ask that, aren't we? Because we're like, if we, if we let him off the hook, just give me what I need, not what I want. He's going to be like, oh good, now I don't have to give you all the stuff you want. I'm just going to give you like crumbs. We're so weird, us humans. Because we're like, God is, you let him, we got to ask for big things and he'll give us medium things. Like, like the rest of the human race. Like, if, if he is a good father, ask him to give you what you need and he will give you what you need. Now watch this. And it says, and forgive our debts, our, our messes. God, every time I stop thinking about your kingdom coming and your kingdom being enough and you being enough and I start thinking about mine and I start behaving like I got to control the world and I, you know, do stuff that indebts me to others. I'm a, a human that behaves in some awkward and inappropriate ways. Would you mind just like, sorry about that, forgive me. And by the way, all the other humans seem to do the same thing. They forget you and they forget that this is about you and your kingdom. And then they behave toward me in inappropriate and ridiculous ways. And that hurts me. So when they do that, please help me not kill them. (laughs) And instead help me forgive them. Just like I'm asking you to forgive me because us humans, we're all in the same boat. We want more of you, but we forget that. And then we start behaving in a way that isn't helpful. And when that happens, forgive us and help us to forgive each other. And then look at this and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Help us not to forget that you are a safe and good father and we are in your safe and good story. And so even though right now the chapter might feel a bit dangerous, like you're absent, that that is not a truth. We want more of you, more of your kingdom for your glory. See, when Jesus taught us to pray, what was his teaching? Was it about doing more for him? Was it about getting more from him? Was it about coming to him? And was it about going with him? Everything he taught us was like, come to me, go with me. When we enter into the New Testament, and now we've got the authors of the New Testament, I'm just going to skip through this instead of going and reading each thing, just so that you're aware, because we're going to be exploring this. Watch this. Book of Acts, early New Testament church emerges. First reflection of what the early New Testament church is going to be. What does it say? The believers were together, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they devoted themselves, watch this, to the teaching of the apostles, to the teaching of Jesus, to the fellowship, to the being together, and to the breaking of bread. What did they devote themselves to? Being with Jesus to learn from him through the apostles, being with the community that was where Jesus now resided in his body, the fellowship, and breaking bread together, remembering that all of this was about Jesus and that Jesus did enough and that Jesus is enough. And when they did that, guess what came out of them? Everywhere they went, they told people about Jesus, did they go do that? Because Jesus said, I need workers for the harvest. You all are all I got right now. I've empowered you by my spirit. Go, please do stuff immediately. No, they just were with him. And that was so amazing that when they went anywhere, they told people about Jesus. They were with him and they went with him. They didn't go for him and need from him. And then as that unfolds, the authors start writing. Uh, Paul writes in Colossians, for example, um, in Colossians chapter three, verse 16. Hey, listen, listen, now that you are together, make sure that you go to God's word and you have God's word dwell richly in you. Why? Because where does God speak from? Where has God spoken? By his spirit, through his word. So he's like, you should probably have this deeply embedded in you so that you can experience the constant interaction with God. He did not say, please make sure you memorize and study this so you have the principles you need to behave rightly so you can do what's right so that I will be pleased with you. 
He's like, no, have this dwell richly in you because this is where I speak by my spirit. And then we will be with each other. And you will out of that teach and admonish and, 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 and engage with each other in a helpful manner and praises will come out of your mouth. We will be together. In the book of Hebrews, the author writes in Hebrews chapter 10, hey, listen, listen, folks that follow Jesus, man, hold fast to the confession that you now know is true. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hold to that. There it is. Remember who he is and what he's done because that's where the reviving of soul exists. And in order to do that, don't neglect gathering together as some are in the habit of doing but come together regularly because where does the spirit of God reside? In his body and who is his body? We are. So if you wanna be with Jesus in a unique and tangible way with his body, where should you be? With the other followers of Jesus because there he resides. Is he with you by yourself? Yes. But is he with us in a unique and beautiful way through his body? Yes. So come together regularly. Don't neglect meeting together. And when you come to Jesus together, then he's going to stir up in you things so that you can go with him out to do love and good deeds. Stirring each other up toward love and good deeds. Then in Hebrews chapter 11, the very next chapter, that was chapter 10. He's like, okay, here's all the men and women that lived by faith. And we talked about that last week in the long obedience in the same direction. So look to them. What was their focus? It wasn't about getting something, getting land, doing something for me. It was about finding me, being with me, walking with me. Their eyes were fixed on me. And then what does he say? Hebrews chapter 11, I mean, chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all the men and women of faith before you, let us cast off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked off for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Remember him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, the, the calling of scripture is to come to me and to go with me not to do for me and to get from me. So as we enter into the journey ahead and as we learn more about the things we are to do to engage in the beauty of feasting at the table with Jesus, walking on the way that is Jesus in the long obedience in the same direction as an invitation to constantly be with Jesus so that our souls might experience the minute by minute revival from Jesus because of Jesus as we are with Jesus and go with Jesus, recognizing that it is Jesus who revives our soul because we are with him as we do the things that put us into those spaces, we will remember that doing those things are not something we do for Jesus or something we do to get something from Jesus. They are the things we do to come to Jesus and to go with Jesus. So repeat with me now. I'm going to help you out, right? Because you're like, you didn't tell us we had to remember. Oh no. It's okay. I'm going to help you. Okay. We do not do things for Jesus or try to get things from Jesus, we come to Jesus and we go with Jesus. And whatever we end up doing, we do so that we can come to Jesus and go with Jesus. Why? Because our gift is Jesus. Our enough is Jesus. Our soul revival is Jesus. 
nothing else, him and him alone. So we come to Jesus and we go with Jesus and that's where we will know life. We feast with Jesus, we walk with Jesus, we come to Jesus, we go with Jesus. This is our life journey, this is our discovery and whatever we do, we do to do that, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the extraordinary wonder of the invitation you have given us to be able to even come to you and even go with you. That you have, through your great work of redemption, your life, death, and resurrection, made a way for us to come to you and invited us to go with you, both of which are extraordinary and unthinkable privileges. None that we deserve, none that we are capable of, none that we are worthy of, and you have made us worthy. You have delighted in us because you have made us delightful. You have empowered us so that we can be with you and go with you. And as we abide in you, you bear through us much fruit that we have no business seeing born through us. And yet you bear it through us so that we are not just recipients of your grace, but participants in it, not just recipients of your redemption, but participants in it. But God, as we participate, may we never lose our heads and believe as we have a propensity to do that we are doing things for you to prove something to you or that we are trying to figure out how to get something from you because we need more than you. Help us instead to be a people that constantly grow in the maturing process to realize and recognize that everything we do is to be with you more, to come to you more deeply and intimately, to go with you more deeply and intimately, to enjoy you more, to have you become more and more and more and so, God, we do come and we say, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come here. Your will be done here. As it is in heaven, let it be so on earth. We want more of you, your kingdom and your will. And God, when we forget that, forgive us for our debts and trespasses and help us to have grace toward those who are forgetting you too and therefore hurting us, that we might also forgive them. For all of us, God, who follow you, keep us from forgetting that you are enough. Keep us from temptation to believe that it is what our kingdom and our desires and our wants are that should drive us. And, and deliver us from that evil, that we might know only you, want only you, enjoy only you, and that everything else in life we do out of that deep, beautiful enoughness that is you and the witness with you. Lead us in that way. We pray for your glory and your honor and your kingdom forever and ever and ever. Amen.